originally this podcast was going to be uh, us talking about uh, Neil Breen and his new vo- his new movie. Sure. I would love to read a Neil Breen book. Because <laughs> you know it would be amazing. It would be. It'd be really poorly produced. The the spine would would I'd be like a three ring binder type situation. <laughs> I feel like uh, it just it hasn't got so Twisted Pair, his new movie, um, came out and you were able to see it at uh, the Alamo yeah. uh, down there in uh, in Virginia. Um, yeah, I, I am. I'm waiting to to see it because it, it, we had such a good time watching Faithful Findings. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say that it's a better movie than Faithful Findings. <laughs> a better um, made or a funnier movie? See, I'd say it's about the same quality <laughs> as far as the production value, but it, but it's just it. It's hard to say. It's it's definitely a highly rewarding experience, and I would right. say like the second you can go check it out. Right. I'm I'm excited, man. It, it, like uh, like most things, now that I uh, live in the Northeast, um, it's very uh, few and far between. Like where uh, art house movies or or smaller independent films open, so it's sure. I don't have an AFI Silver right there, or an okay. Alamo, or an E Street Cinema right there. So it's it's difficult to kind of track down some of these movies. Yeah, sure. I yeah, I guess Amazon might be your first opportunity. Probably, at some point. Um, he said it's coming out in January, so maybe we can revisit this. I would love to watch it and then share my uh, my I'm experience down. with I, you. I can't say that I would love to watch it again, but I will watch it again for you and for this. Just to, just to get a refresh. Right. So um, we hadn't done a, a, a episode in a while, and um, I knew that I uh, wanted to have you on again. And we were kind of like uh, batting back and forth what we would talk about. And it always got kind of like rescheduled or fell off or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I definitely wanted to get another one in before the end of 2018. And, um, you know, there's there's been, you know, a lot of dead space a lot of hiatus between episodes i think we did um fewer and fewer like starting in 2016 and there weren't many last year and then sure. this year i think we might have we might have done one or two so far this year and so i think we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end kind of like uh, an extended hiatus that the show is going to be going on. You're going to give a state of debatable yes speech. Yep, the way Very it good. goes. Yeah. But before we get into that, I kind of wanted to, to to touch base with you because, like, I feel like Dan, as as far as um, uh, adulthood goes, and kind of our responsibilities that you have been able to to keep up a certain level of, of video gaming that few of us get a chance to. Just say that I have too much free time. <laughs> just say just say that. Just put that out there that yeah, you know, Dan, like you go to work, but you got plenty of free time to to, to play video games and do all this useless stuff that, that most adults that aren't like quote unquote adults uh can't do with their time. Just I, that, 
You just lay it out there. It's cool. I would. I would do that. I, I just feel jealous that, you know, that you're able to because I certainly <laughs> I, I think that's a, a ongoing theme in uh, in debatable is that there's just too much saturation, too much media, too many good TV shows to keep up with, too many good movies to track down. And right. now too many video games to kind of like AAA to indie titles. Just so and difficult. It doesn't to keep up with it, it doesn't help that all video games now are required to be at least 40 hours long. <laughs> I know. You know, at least. When Skyrim came out and I started noticing that every single AAA title that came out was, we're talking about 60, 70, 100 hours. I was like, Jesus Christ. I still haven't finished Skyrim. Yeah. And that came out, you know, what, like, you know, like seven, eight years ago, something like that. It's so difficult to 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 pinpoint too because I love living in those universes, um, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about a, a very big AAA game that came out uh, just recently. But I feel like I love living in those universes, um, but the um, the technique, the strategy of playing those games for me is almost 100% focus on the story so that I can actually finish these games now Yeah, instead of doing side missions and shit. That's probably a good strategy because what I've sort of found with like the last, you know, three or four like triple A 60 hour monstrosities that I've tried to tackle is that I'll like want to do all the side missions to start. Yeah. And then I just, you know, play and play and play for hours. And at some point I just hit a roadblock where I'm like, I, I have other things I need to get to. I can't right. finish this, and then I don't. You know. Yeah. Uh, my my big one that I haven't finished yet is, uh, is Zelda. You know, I'm like right, right there the uh, the new Switch game, the Breath of the uh, Wild. Yeah, Breath of the Wild. I just am. I'm at to the point. I'm at the point now where I can fight Ganon, but I just haven't done it because there's other stuff going on, right. man. I just I just can't get to it. Right. It's so interesting um, because the Switch. I feel like. Um, has come out with some of the 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 best uh, installments of mm-hmm. of those games. Like I think that the new Mario and the new Zelda are probably two of my f- favorite games in those franchises. I, I know that's sacrilege to some people, but I think Not that they're like they've built so much on the gameplay that had come beforehand that now it's kind of like the most refined and and funnest in my opinion that it's ever been. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think you'll find if you go back to some of those older games, it's not that they haven't aged well. It's just that the uh, gameplay mechanics are kind of dated. And, and it's like right. you said, it's been refined to the point where everything just works so nicely. I mean, I, I kind of you know, wanted to talk about the new Spider-Man game, for example. Like yeah. thinking about Spider-Man 2 and how that sort of stands out in most people's minds as their favorite. When I first heard people saying, oh, Spider-Man PS4 is the best Spider-Man game, that that sounded like sacrilege to me. But then yeah. you play it and it's like everything just works well in this game right to the point where it just it has to be the best spider-man game that exists right now yeah it's it's interesting that you know we're, we're kind of getting to that point where i feel like the 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 video games are going to become so refined that you know how they talk about peak television how we're at this mm-hmm. peak television time period i think we're going to be getting at least you know it, it's a question of of the of storytelling if the if uh the storytelling is going to be uh better and and transcendent compared to the previous uh, generations or whatever. But I think the gameplay, the controls, I think 
are getting to the point that are, you're just getting that responsiveness. You're getting that gameplay that's just so fun. They're doing a good job of, of really mixing up the variety of gameplay so it doesn't get just stale and repetitive. Um, the, I've been just seeing these with the with these big games that have been coming yeah. out this year and last year. Sure. And then you have all the indie games as well that right. just – sort of reinvent uh, and refresh the way that we, you know, look at uh, video games as a medium. I feel like AAA games can tend to, uh, you know, do the the carbon copy thing yeah. where like a big thing will come out. And then, I mean, it's just like any media, a big thing becomes really popular. And then all the other guys tend to play catch up. You see that with like the Battle Royale style yes. games right now. But, right. but yeah, I mean, you have inventive titles um, as well as the sort of mass produced mediocre stuff. Right. I mean, people still buy Assassin's Creed. You know, they still yeah. get these games that are kind of like comfort food that they yeah. they play because they're fun. I, I feel like though you can get, or at least I myself, I know that I can get tired of that. Like I can't actually remember the last time I bought an Assassin's Creed game or a Call of Duty or any of that. I mean, you know, I see that they, you know, they keep sort of reinventing it a little by little. I know the new Assassin's Creed has been getting good re- yeah. good reviews, but I just uh, can't bring myself to get back into it. Yeah, I, I kind of go for it and then I fall off, go for it, fall off. So it's never like I keep up with it annually or however many times it comes out every couple years or whatever. I remember Black Flag was the last one I played that I was just really enveloped by. And it was, you know, it's a pirate game. So there's pirate battles on the seas and everything. And it was so fun. I think is that I don't know what that game is for Xbox. Is it Sea of Heroes? Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves. Yeah, sort it's of the very similar multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know that one is um, another one of those games that's just sort of make your own fun type multiplayer right. where there's not much meat on the bone. But uh, I think if you have some friends, you can have a good time with it right. um, in the way that uh, they're saying. Um, uh, the new Fallout game is yeah seventy uh, six yeah see yeah. that's the thing that that worries me because to to me seventy six feels like um, and I've been reading reviews and reactions and I kind of mm-hmm. get the feeling that it's a very empty sandbox that you have to very make your bones. own yeah you make your own fun yeah and that's sort of the the trend right now at the if you've heard the term like live services all these game companies want to uh, sort of create a a sandbox type base where you can hang out with your friends and content, you know, can actually be varied in terms of like its depth and quality. Um, Destiny 2 was one that I kind of got into uh, this year and was just ultimately like really disappointed by, um, uh, I guess, the lack of depth and the lack of, you know, non-repetitive gameplay. Um, I had some friends that I could play with. Uh, play with. I joined a couple of those like uh, uh, clubs or clans, and it, it just ultimately it just got boring, you know. And I feel like that's kind of what tends to happen with these games is they just sort of uh, overstay their welcome. There's not really uh, there's not a there there. There's it, it's just not that interesting ultimately. When you're talking about that with Destiny Two, do you mean like the same types of death matches, the same types of capture the flag, or what do you See, mean? I never even gotten into the death matches. I'm more uh, talking about like the the PVE elements yeah. where you'll go on a campaign. And actually, what I found was that because uh, I had I had just picked up Destiny Two uh, for Christmas last year, and the DLC had had sort of just come out. And I was finding that if 
you didn't buy the DLC, you couldn't level up to the point where right. you could could play the uh, the larger uh, PVE campaigns. It wasn't fun. Like I would go on, they call them raids. I would go on raids with uh, other clan members, and I would just be like the lowest rated player and just getting everybody killed. And I'm like, this isn't fun. And I also don't want to spend another thirty dollars to upgrade my character. Right. You know, and that that's sort of the other insidious element of these live services is is not just sort of the lack of uh, interesting content, but the microtransactions and all the money that you have to sink into that, it. And that's, that's I think, ultimately what, what the companies want is yeah. for. Those big companies, yeah, the, the Ubisofts and who develops uh, – is it Bungie? That's Bungie, doing? yeah. So, I mean, like the, that's kind of something that came to a head was, was uh, uh, microtransactions and uh, what, what are those? Oh, why am I forgetting? Like not treasure boxes. What are they? Loot boxes. Uh, loot boxes. Right. Yeah. Which was sort of an in- invention of, um, I mean, I guess they didn't invent it, but uh, Overwatch kind of popularized it. And that's right. another game that I've really gotten into uh, uh, over the course of the year. But but with them, it's, I mean, it is gambling. It is, you know, sort of cosmetic uh, uh, upgrades for your character, but it, it feels less insidious than than Destiny and things like uh, that, that Star Wars game that came out this oh, year. Kind Battlefront. Of, yeah, kind of making it where you have to invest, you know, the uh, money in these loot boxes in order to progress uh, the game, progress your character to the point where the game becomes fun and and not so tedious, not so grindy. Were there serious like um, advantages that were tied to those loot boxes? I forget. Yeah, from what I remember, you could level up your character. You could cut out like large swaths of grinding by uh, uh, buying these loot boxes with real money, um, to the point where I, I seem to remember um, EA actually like removing uh, these sort of handicaps from the game because be- there was such like an out outcry right. from the public. Right. Let me ask you something. So th- the thing that's kind of become um, a, a genre of itself is kind of multiplayer only people going into something with whether it's battlefield or call sure. of duty or um you know games that that do tend to have even at the the mm-hmm. lowest end of the spectrum a bare bones single player campaign but like really you're buying the game for the multiplayer does it attract you um when there is a when it's a multiplayer only game because i i i like where you where what your obsession is with overwatch but do you does it attract you to have just a multiplayer only or do would you rather a game have a story campaign i i would rather a game have a story campaign um what i don't really dig is when it just feels kind of tacked on i I feel like the last few call of duty games even though i haven't uh, gotten into them that much it feels like the single player mode was kind of an afterthought like everybody's there for the multiplayer and i guess the zombies and now the battle royale mode and we have a single player mode just just because just because we've always had a single single player mode um, of course, the new Call of Duty doesn't even have that. Um, but but personally, you know, I I like certain types of multiplayer games. Uh, like uh, like you said, I'm kind of obsessed with Overwatch right now. Um, but for me, I I kind of I tend to enjoy a, a single player experience. Well, what what uh, attracts you to Overwatch? Like, it, 
you know, I can understand. So you're pl- you're playing a a game that's that's heavily, not even heavily, solely uh, multiplayer, and I can imagine, you know, what we were just talking about, getting burnt out on the same thing over and over again. Sure. I yeah, think it's yeah. I think it's really about like how it's utilized in that game because I mean, didn't you eventually get burnt out on like GTA Five online or anything? I yeah I. Th- I, I did. Um, they did introduce those heists towards the end of uh, at least me playing GTA Five on PS3, and the heists were were nice and fresh. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, ultimately you can, I guess, kind of get sick of the uh, the open world that GTA creates because I don't want to say that it that it lacks depth um, because it doesn't. It, it's very vibrant. Uh, and the missions are fun, but it, it can get repetitive. And if you think about it, I mean, GTA has had quite a long shelf life. Um, you know, I think I think I played it for a year and a half, probably almost two years, something like that. And then, you know, it, it found new life on uh, PS4 and it's I think it's still going. Um, it's only just uh, last month that Rockstar released, you know, uh, Red Dead 2 yep. as, as a sort of, uh, I guess, spiritual follow up. Um, but, you know, I, I think GTA kind of succeeded where it felt like for me, Destiny 2 fell flat. I think it had way more. It, it's funny because you think about Destiny 2, it's supposed to be like it's supposed to span like a whole galaxy of, of planets, whereas GTA 5 was only just this one city. And yet it felt way more interesting, way more vibrant. And I think also the element of not having to pay for every single thing, right. uh, at least with the PS3 version of GTA 5, uh, definitely helped its case. I, I hear that the PS4 version kind of invests a little bit more in that microtransaction system. Right. Um, but but I had never played it on PS4, so I so, couldn't say. So even just with the size of the city in GTA 5, which is sizable, um, it feels more like fleshed out and, and it feels like more of a, a living world than than even some of these other ones. Like sure. Destiny. Yeah, I mean, and the the vehicles are fun to drive. Yeah. Um, the PvP element, the player versus player element, was always kind of a lot more fun uh, than it was for me in Destiny 2. I mean, yeah, you could just kind of be walking down the street and then get mowed down by three dudes in a in an SUV, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, but uh, and, yeah, and, and random things like that I never seemed to really happen in in Destiny. Right. You had these like little events that you could participate in. But it all felt very bland, right? I think you know. Well, uh, relate that to to Overwatch. So Overwatch is is purely a, a multiplayer thing. So why? Yeah, it's why funny. does it attract you? It's funny because Overwatch is literally exactly the same thing. <laughs> like every single match. Yeah, there's like a few different types of. Uh, games that you can play. There's like, you know, control points and you capture or you move a payload to a goal area. But essentially each match is kind of set up the same. It's more the strategy that you can develop with uh, a team if you have like, if you're playing with like five other people that you know or that you've grouped up with. Um, The characters that you select can make each match different. And also there is, um, I guess, kind of a, a, a skill ceiling that you can work towards with each character. So I think the fun of Overwatch for me is uh, getting better at each of the the heroes that that I like to play. Um, you know, like uh, watching my gameplay, 
figuring out little ways to improve uh, my mechanics. Uh, so in that sense, each game is different and interesting. Um, but it's funny. I guess it's it's sort of a different. It's not a sandbox. So it's a, it's a different type of um, multiplayer experience than uh, than you'd get out of a Destiny or a, a Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Um, I think it's more similar to like a Call of Duty multiplayer in that respect. But I also remember you kind of. So the intimidating thing of of it for me is kind of the uh, to get really good at it. it it's mm-hmm. one on one side you have to play a lot of it, and on the other side, I feel like there's a research project in here because I remember uh, you yeah. going to like YouTube videos and <laughs> knowing the ins and outs of how to strategize a character, um, like uh, the uh, the the loadout of a team, how a team yeah. should be comprised. Yeah, you you might be right about that, and I, I think I think the the research uh, tutorial practice element of it kind of snuck up on me. I didn't really realize, you know, you it's it's like a it's like a drug, you know, you you get into it, you watch maybe one video about, oh well, here's like some basic tips for how to play Overwatch, and then right. you watch another one that's like, well, here's a video on you know composing a team, uh, what how you should you know, uh, select the roles of your different characters. And then before you know it, you're like, you know, three hours deep into coaching videos and, uh, figuring out little things you can do on each particular map to, you know, strategize uh, this or that. Yeah. I I think it's a slippery slope. And at this point I can, I can probably say that aside from the couple hundred hours I've invested in actually playing the game, there's probably that much invested in just right. watching dumb YouTube videos about <laughs> uh, how to get better at the game. So yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think that element definitely snuck up on me. Do you... Um, f- it, Go ahead, sorry. I, I was just going to say, you know, and, and my wife is totally pleased with the way that I spend my time, <laughs> by the way. BT does. <laughs> Do you feel like um, you could, with, with Overwatch, that you could truly say that you're you're obsessed or addicted to the, 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 to the leveling? Um, it's not even so much the leveling, because you get, you know, as in a Call of Duty game, or if you remember, like, playing Halo back in the day, yeah. you'd increase your level as you go, no matter what. The incentive to playing Overwatch is the skill rating, where you you actually get grouped into various tiers of, you know, here's how good you are at the game, essentially. Gotcha. And the progression, getting higher and higher in that skill tier towards the next, you know, level, that's that that can definitely be addicting, I would say. Right. It's interesting to me, right? because it is something that I, I tried um, to get into, and I feel like I, I really enjoyed the game and mm-hmm. enjoyed playing with you. But it, it, you know, when it comes down to having that uh, amount of time, which was already, I think the reason that you you kind of advised me to get Overwatch is because it was able to to play uh, smaller matches. You know, hop put in, it, hop out, sure, yeah, yeah but dedicate less time. Uh, to a particular day and not feel like I'm overwhelmingly obliged. But um, I feel like that's, it it is almost a a, a lifestyle, kind of like the way that people are doing Fortnite now and PUBG and all those. I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, did you ever play competitive? Did you ever try that (sighs) mode out? That's a good question. No, I don't think I did. Because that's, I mean, like, there's two modes for Overwatch for those that, uh, that that don't play it. I mean, there's several different 
you know, game plays uh, or game types, but uh, you can play quick play, which is kind of the uh, free for all, like who cares, you know, we're all just having fun. And then competitive mode is more the serious, like, all right, let's strategize, or at least theoretically, this is how it's supposed to be. Let's strategize and create a team composition that that's going to work for this map, et cetera, et cetera. And this is where you level up your, your, your skill tiers. So, yeah, I mean, I would say dedicating time to competitive, uh, you know, that, that that does take effort. That does take like some research and some um, you know practice and all that. But but I I still feel like quick play, and I still do this. Like you can just hop in and out. Like if you have uh, a half an hour after work and you just right. want to like goof around, I I still firmly believe that uh, that that's something that you could get into. In the same way that you can't like if you don't have time get into a like we were talking about earlier forty hour or a sixty hour uh, mm-hmm. campaign. You know. Yeah. yeah. So. It's it's very difficult with those because uh, not to beat the the dead horse, beat the drum, but I feel like with those those stories, um, you have to stra- strategize the way that you play them. Otherwise, you're just gonna drown. You're right. you're you're never gonna fit. You might not finish uh, uh, the story, but you might not finish even the the side quests. You know, you might not even finish or see the things that you want to see. Because I mean, I just finished uh, the story uh, campaign for Red Dead Redemption Two. Oh, and, you, oh, you did. Okay. And and I know that there's a large portion of things that I didn't experience, and I think that at one point in my life I would have been like shit i'm missing out and i don't mm-hmm. feel like i feel like that anymore i mean at this at this point it probably just feels great to just get through the story campaign yeah to just finish that like and it does it feels like an accomplishment um but there's so much content in these games like i know people that do 100 these games yeah and then go back for the new game plus but i don't know many people that have the time to do that the completionists yeah, 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 exactly. Now, just, are, now, now that you've finished playing Red Dead Two, are you going to go back and, and new game plus it, or are you going to set it down for a little while? I feel like the, the thing that uh, that's always been like uh, impressive to me is the people who either do do video game reviews or video game vlogging or YouTube or whatever for uh, a living, and they play games like in a in a span of time multiple times. They play it two, yeah. three, four times. And sure. I, I don't think in my whole life I've ever done that. Uh, maybe since I was a kid, but like these games, because they're so long, you finish them, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not something that I want to pick up and start new game plus right away. But now that I finished the story, uh, I, there are a bunch of challenges and stuff that I didn't um, do in the world that I kind of want to go back to. And it's not something that's going to be, I think, terribly time consuming. It's going to be almost like, here's an agenda of things I want to do in this hour that I've got uh, with the game, I'm going to go do that and then I'll go do the rest of my life and I'll come back and I'll do another agenda for the next hour. Um, But there is enough impetus here. There's enough like things that are uh, making me want to play the game through again and and play a real son of a bitch because obviously I played it you know what I typically do with the fallouts and the and the grand theft autos of the world is to play um, the honorable uh, nice yeah. guy the first time see I'm glad you do that because I do that too yeah we're, we're paragon buddies 
Paracons, exactly. With, with this one, I feel like uh, I, I, I want to play a, a, a real murderous son of a bitch and, and I, you know, hold up stagecoaches and, sure. and kill people. Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's fun to a degree, but I always end up feeling bad. Yeah. I, like, even, like, for example, with Mass Effect, like, you can you can be a Paragon. Yeah. You can go back and be kind of an asshole uh, renegade, do a renegade run. Yep. I always just feel like a jerk. I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to, like, upset you. you know? Yeah. Like, well, you talk says, to a character and they get froggy with you and you're like, I, I really didn't mean exactly. that. Exactly. Well, that says a lot about your character, definitely. The, the problem is that, I mean, and we're getting off into a different topic here a little bit, but the problem with uh, Paragon and, and Renegade uh, sort of uh, dynamics in a game is that it's you usually only get interesting results if you're one or the other. Yeah. If you're any sort of like middling yeah, uh, right, type. Yeah, yeah you know, where you're just an asshole occasionally, then it, it just, yeah, the game doesn't really tailor itself to you. In that there's, way. there's a real ramification in the rockstar games, especially with red dead. I feel like this last one, it, it's very noticeable. Um, not just, uh, story branches, uh, particularly I, I've read about how the, the ending, uh, changes if you're one or the other, but, um, <laughs> the kind of, Thing, the kind of advantages you get at like stores, um, a lot of that is tied to how good you are a character in the world. Um, if you carry a lot of bounties on your head, if you carry a lot of renegade type uh, mm-hmm. gameplay in in the game, then you you get a lot of ramifications. So you can like you can go in and rob a store. Yeah. And like, will will your reputation precede you? Yeah. Uh, through through okay. And I mean, you like you'll get much better um, options for you know saving money on purchases if you're a good person. Like even going through towns and saying hello to people gets you good honor. It's weird. Okay. Um, so like playing the game through, I think that there's a lot more advantages to playing it good like there is a a true um uh angelic system to the rockstar Mm -hmm. games versus like the fallout games the bethesda games i feel like there's a a level of they uh, i remember reading that they wanted to and i don't remember if they applied this to fallout 3 or really didn't come out to like new vegas or fallout 4 that they wanted to give the player complete control about uh, how they want to play it and that they wouldn't penalize you if you wanted to play gray area. Like there mm-hmm. were gray area um, uh, achievements you could get. Interesting. See, that was another game where I just, I was just the perfect human being. I just tried <laughs> yeah. to be nice to everybody. I guess that's just how I play video games. Yeah. I just try to, I try to not be a jerk, but, but that's cool that you do get. And I, I remember, uh, with New Vegas uh, specifically, like there was a lot of, you know, there were a lot of great area choices that you could make yeah. uh, with certain characters. I, I just feel like that there's the you give me that sandbox and being able to to do whatever I want, like nine times out of ten, I'm going to go through it trying to be an honorable hero, you know, the the um, the knight. But when I, uh, you know, every once in a while, I want to be a cannibal. <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> well, but just like in real life. Yeah, just yeah. just like in real life, exactly. I think I think though what would what kind of bugs me about sort of the the uh, the the good or the dark side uh, dynamic in games is that I feel like I'm missing out. I get I get I get severe FOMO when 
I uh, am, am faced with one of those choices like, well, if if I don't do the exact, you know, good slash honorable slash perfect thing here, am I going to miss out on, you know, some sort of character interaction down right. the line or the, right. am I going to get the bad ending or right. whatever? Like, it'd be nice if, if, you know, games were more like, I guess, uh, Fallout 3 and New Vegas where, you know, you can just kind of play the game. Uh, you don't have to play it perfectly. You can just play it exactly how you feel and you're not going to get penalized. Right. That would be, that would be nice. And I, I think that's, that seems to be more what what uh, you know companies like Rockstar are, are edging towards. It sounds like Red Dead Redemption Two, uh, which I haven't played it yet, but it sounds like it's more along those lines. Yeah, um, that, that's uh, the thing that always kind of concerned me about whether you were going to miss an interaction with the character if you weren't here at the particular time of day, or if you you killed their companion early in the story. Like if you really played the game that you wanted to play, there was a good chance you were not only going to uh, miss out and get like a, a bad ending like you said or or some sort of other ramification all of a sudden you know you have to play it on uh the the game system and timing i used to hate yeah. like like games what was that um what was that zombie game in the mall uh, oh, uh capcom uh, put out yeah yeah, yeah. uh you're you're like a photojournalist right yeah it's like is it dead rising Dead Rising, that sounds uh, right. It's, it's Dead Something. Yeah, I think Dead Rising. Uh, you would have to be at certain places at certain times. Yeah. Otherwise, that that uh, story branch or that particular mission would be locked out to you. And you would not I, be able to play it through the whole game. I hate games with time elements. Yeah. Like any, any kind of clock i hate it but any kind of game where you have to where you have to do that you have to like play on the game schedule like i hate that yeah that's why i never really got into uh zelda uh, majora's mask yeah yeah uh, you know but yeah i think that's a little i think playing that in in uh in uh actually in actual in real life is um a lot less intimidating than it sounds though i think that majora's mask is is a better version than than dead rising dead rising feels like it's almost like uh uh penalizing you for having fun at at another place another time oh you 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 want to play this part and have fun how dare you exactly yeah yeah that's that's why i'm uh i'm playing through undertale right now and i know that it's got like you know, like a, a dozen different endings uh, and gives you the option to be as good or as bad as 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 you want to be uh, in the world. I know it's like a simple kind of indie game made by one guy, but but that level of variety that you get out of it uh, is is really intriguing. Yeah. And, uh, and would be nice to, to see in more like like super big budget games. That's one of the best things about um, the Switch is is just the the other medium that it's giving you for so many great indie titles and being yeah. able to play them on the go. I love not having you know not even just on the go. I love not having to be at my TV. I can play it before bed, put it you know next to my nightstand, and I'm done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's great. Um, so we were we kind of talked about how we were gonna uh, kind of talk about our uh, favorite video game experiences or favorite video games of the, this year. I, I think it's clear that I have had limited experiences. I, I can really talk about um, maybe three 
uh, okay. games that I, I really enjoyed and had had experiences. One of them is even with you um, this year um, that I, I really found memorable. But I feel like you had way more experience. You were playing a, a lot more stuff that was coming out um, uh, month to month, maybe. Yes. Uh, again, well, ladies and gentlemen, I have all the free time. <laughs> so to, to be clear, I do have a job that I go to. <laughs> it's just that I don't know. I guess I, I make time. <laughs> I think I think that I, hours to, I think uh, that as far as your uh, your hobby obsession or your outside obsession, I think that you uh, prioritize um, that kind of um, unwinding with video games more more than I do. Probably too much. So yeah, do you, does, probably to the, an unhealthy degree. <laughs> does does the wife get back to you about it? Does she get on your um, case? No, she doesn't get on my case, but she she will say like, oh, you know, uh, maybe instead of doing that, like we could we could go hang out or you know go to dinner. Or maybe you should spend some time with me. No, she's 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 cool. she's cool. Everyone has their obsession. So so yeah. what were what were your like what were your experiences? What were your memories? Because I remember we talked about we've talked about so many this this year, but what were yeah. the ones that you really focused on? Well, uh, the one, obviously, uh, the one that I really focused on this year was Overwatch. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and you, and you knew this, I think we were both kind of getting into it around the same time. I just had, uh, a lot more time to devote to getting better at it, but yeah. I would say that, you know, a good 75% of my gaming this year, and, and I do have the stats to prove it has, <laughs> has gone to getting better at Overwatch. And I can say, ladies and gentlemen, that I have an improved, that I have improved, from being a silver ranked player to being very close to platinum. <laughs> and of course, that's the best that's the best you can be at the game. Don't look that up. <laughs> Don't research it's, that. Isn't it like isn't it multiple platinums? Can't you go? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like high platinum and then diamond and then masters and then like top 500 grandmasters. There's there's several levels levels above platinum. Right. Um, but but I here's my thing. Once I get to platinum I'm done. I can I can stop playing the game. I'm sure that I won't be obsessed with it at all. Can you? Can you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. The other problem is that they keep releasing new stuff, new content for the game that's yeah. like completely free, new characters, uh, new cosmetics and and maps and things like that. Um, that's the thing that's great about Overwatch. I I, I meant to say was that it's not um uh, kind of a, a locked in um non-changing thing that they've already published and put out into the world the no. amount of free support and updates and add-ons that that company does is stupendous it's it's being constantly updated and that includes little balance changes for the characters yeah. that they kind of they call it the meta but it's essentially the way that the characters interact with each other during the game like they'll increase the damage of one character or uh you know nerf the the damage of another or like the cooldown of an ability right. it's it's constantly changing they're trying to tweak it to make it more fair which gives you um, advantages or disadvantages in matches right yeah yeah exactly i mean i i personally like playing like the healer characters uh and there's like six of them uh, I think at the, at this at this point out of like the thirty heroes that are in, or twenty nine heroes that are in the game. Again, that um, says a lot about your personality that you want to heal your teammates. <laughs> I do. I'm 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 what's colloquially known as a heal slut. In the, uh, I'm, I enjoy it. I enjoy I enjoy helping others. Darn it. 
and and Overwatch has been kind of your your uh, your mistress. I feel like so you you've had that ability to kind of like put a lot of time into it and and really see kind of the uh, the payoff for it. Um, yeah, which yeah. is and, really great, huh? And like I said, I mean, uh, aside from all the time I spend playing the game, I also like watch a lot of content based around the game. And and to me, like that's also entertaining. It's not just Inform- I'm not just sitting there taking notes, but I can like sit and put on, you know, a 30 minute video, somebody talking about, you know, a specific character in Overwatch, just just listen to that as I'm doing something else like that sort of bleeds into other forms of entertainment for me, you know. For, for for whatever that says about me, yes. I think it's great too because it, it gives you a real a sense of reward like when you're, you know, singled out at the end of a match for the like play of the game or, you know, or, or, or um, uh, you know, at what, what level kills you did or whatever. It always made, made me feel like when I would play a lot of Halo or any of those big uh, first-person shooters to be, you know, ranked highly in a match that would be kind of a memorable thing that i would float on for you know maybe a day it would be great sure and that's that's one thing that overwatch does really well uh almost too well is giving you a sense of uh personal accomplishment you know like at the end of the game for me it'll tell me like how many uh uh damage points i healed away or Mm -hmm. how much damage i blocked if i'm playing as a tank or how much damage you deal as as a, a DPS character. And like you said, it will also do play of the game highlights. It gives you little medals and badges and things yeah. that just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of gold stars. It's a yeah. lot of participation trophies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which some people in the community say is like not very helpful because the only thing that matters ultimately is whether or not you win the match. Um, and, and sort of these elements get people to focus less on that and more about their own personal performance. But really it's, it's a team based game and it should be, you know, your your uh, assessment of your performance should just be based on whether or not you win or lose. Yeah, but but playing games has always come down to the the reward and kind of the the memory. Like some of my favorite memories of video games come down to a, a level or um, you know a cutscene or oh, sure. some level that we that you and I played like in mercenaries 2 just the the fun sandbox sandbox just out of the blue shit that happens like the fact that you jumped over this person and shot this person and you yeah. had one bar of health left and it, it's just exhilarating the experiences yeah you know video games should be about having fun um, but uh, <laughs> this particular <laughs> game, uh, it can come down to other things as to far as, as so far as, uh, what your enjoyment actually is, but yeah. you're right. They should be about experiences. They should be about fun. I mean, I remember, um, and I don't know if we've discussed it on the podcast before, but like back when we used to play Halo, uh, you know, sort of, uh, with two Xboxes in, in our friend Diego's yeah. apartment yeah. after each game, we would all converge. We'd be playing in two separate rooms, and we'd all converge, like in the kitchen, yeah. and and yell about uh, all the different things that had happened during yeah. the match, and and stuff like that is like I think what you what you tend to remember from definitely uh, good video game experiences. Definitely, it's always about that that narrative to me. Like you know, uh, the the story that you create from your point of view of playing the game, and I think that like winning is 
for me, and I don't mean to sound like an after school special, but a winning is secondary to that to me. It's just like, okay, we lost 17 matches playing that yeah. night, but damn, you know, this was our, our rocky moment. We came so close or sure. when you, you know, drove that warthog off that cliff and we, and something strange about the game mechanic happened and, and sure. we like twirled over, you know, it was so it's fun stuff like that. And and I think that's why um, I am really excited to get into Red Dead. Uh, don't sell your copy of the game, by the way, because <laughs> when uh, they're going to drop a multiplayer version. The online, yes. Uh, it's coming yeah, out. Yeah, at some point. And that's going to be like GTA Five. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. So we're gonna make some new memories, my friend. I, I believe it. It's it's and, gonna be. It's gonna have that. You know everything that we've kind of talked about for for a while that GTA Online did with you know its heist. I I had that feeling that those bank robberies, those stagecoach robberies, you know, kind of even bounty hunting and shit. That's gonna be you know full scale online when that comes out. I'm enjoying it. Don't sell the game before the heists come out. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna Wait. we're gonna play some heists this time. <laughs> Definitely. Um, the, you know it's funny. It's 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 a good um. Uh, um, segue because Red Red Dead Redemption Two was really the the game that I've been obsessed about for the past uh, month. It came out on the twenty sixth of October. We're recording this on the twenty third of November, and I just finished it a couple days ago. Um, and uh, the story, the story campaign, and I feel like you know I was playing a, an hour here and there, and I, f- this past month has been like. I, I, playing video games the way that I used to in in college, I would hang out with my girlfriend. I'd come home at uh, you know midnight or one o'clock and play two hours and stay up late. And I I usually anyone who knows me working my regular adult schedule is that mm. you know I start getting sleepy around ten thirty eleven o'clock. I'm in bed before midnight usually, so staying up late playing games. I felt like I was you know back in college and. It was so, you know, playing here and there is the most video gaming I've done in probably a better part of a year. It sounds like you you made the time for this game yeah, in, in a way that you might not have for other games that you've played this year or, or recently. Yeah, and that's the question, why? I'm just excited. I'm just excited about, uh, you know, a Rockstar game. I'm just excited about um, my own personal uh, brand of comfort food, my mm-hmm. my my GTA or my uh, my Red Dead Redemption. I loved Red Dead Redemption 1. I loved Undead Nightmare, the uh, DLC that they put out for it. So I was so looking forward to this. And, and Red Dead Redemption 2 is a uh, – the story, at least, is a prequel to Red Dead mm-hmm. Redemption One, and it ties in nicely with the uh, with the first one. You have a new character playing in uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, but John Marston from the first one is a side character, and then he eventually there's epilogues um, to this game that kind of tie in nicely with the with sure. the first game. Yeah, but, I hear that like when the epilogues start, they actually keep going for like quite a while. They do. It's, it's like an extra yeah. It's like an extra you know three or four hours of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I well I feel like so if you're being uncharitable you might say that video games are addictive or addicting. Yeah. Uh but if you're feeling more charitable you could say they're more engaging and yeah. they're just as interesting and captivating as like say a good book yeah. or a movie. It's just that they are these days about, you know, 60 hours long. Yeah. So there's something as far as like why this game 
is drawing you in, there's something like either the story or the gameplay is really fun. Um, that's just keeping you interested, keeping you coming back and, you know, uh, wanting to, you know, try to complete another mission or, uh, do another, you know, uh, robbery or, or just, you know, investigate a new town, talk to some new people, something keeping you coming back. I think the world building is fantastic. Um, they're using, uh, all the all the criticism of a Rockstar game really comes down to the people that think that it's trying too hard to be cinematic and be a movie and not enough like a video game. And then the other ones on the other side that really appreciate that. And I kind of fall on the other side where I like the cinematic flourishes. I like it where it's trying to be a movie, where it's using Hateful Eight and Django Unchained and all the spaghetti westerns and, and even... Uh, uh, like uh, you know, the, the, just the the multitude of uh, of influences that that it's picked up over the years to apply to this game. Just you starting in the snow and everything is so hateful. Eight, you got the lantern and everything. You're in this heavy snowstorm. It feels so much like they're capturing something that uh, we've only seen on the screen. And then you get into the the mechanics and the world that they're they're creating, and it's just you've never seen the kind of physics on grass and snow and rain Mm -hmm. and mud just the world feels so real um and i i I love that cinematic flourish to a game that is not flawless the storytelling is not flawless the storytelling is is good but they bang the same drum um, on almost every mission, especially after you get halfway through the game, it's mm-hmm. the same three notes uh, for every mission. The same char- the the characters are saying the same thing, uh, same motivation, same uh, uh, argument every single mission. Um, Arthur Morgan, great protagonist, fun to play through him. That that uh, voice actor, so fucking good. Um, the guy who did uh, um, John Marston's back, that most of the people that were in part of um, uh, the the gang that John Marston is is hunting down in the first Red Dead Redemption come back in this one. So all of those great voice actors are there, but the storytelling is just. Um, uh, those missions are so varied and so fun. The world is so varied and so fun. And even when they're just, you know, banging the same drum on some of the writing and the writing kind of fails here and there, the dialogue fails here and there, it's still, you know, putting so much in the win column that the the lose column is just dwindling with every, you know, hour that passes. Sure. It sounds like it's very immersive. And I know that you being uh, a, a cinephile and and uh, I know you also like enjoy your westerns yep. um are you know I'm sure there's a level of appreciation uh, that you can get from uh, all the homages and, yeah. and things little things little details that they do in this game because I, I know that this game is nothing if not detailed definitely um, definitely the know, mechanics the mechanics are even a little um, dated like not just the the controls but they feel like the the um the game of 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 2010 and mm. after we've gone through so much we've gone through the assassin's creeds of the world and you know horizon zero dawns of the world you know you're getting to 
a place where open world games are handled a different way. The HUD system is different on, on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the use of your, um, your inventory is handled differently. It just feels like such a dated game, but I, I didn't mind it after the first hour. I didn't mind the fact that it, uh, there's very limited fast travel options. You're, you're basically traversing such a large map. Right. Um, I didn't mind and, it after the first hour. I mean, that's something like you have to really love the uh, mechanics of riding a horse and the scenery. Uh, and, and it can't feel boring if, if you are being forced to actually ride uh, or travel from one point to another in real time. Yeah. You know, so it must be doing something right in yeah. that respect. Yeah. I mean, I, I find um, like with uh, Spider-Man, for example, they have a fast travel system uh, that I barely use, um, you know, to, to get from one end of Manhattan to the other, I'll usually just do the, the web swing, swinging mechanic because it's, it's so enjoyable. It's so fun, right? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's the thing, you know, uh, they've done a good job of making the, the sound, the visual, the, um, the music, um, so, enveloping so engaging that the quiet moments where you're not dealing with dialogue and story Mm -hmm. being often spoon-fed to you i feel like that part you know those quiet moments of traversing all the way across a map it's so fun and and they've done a great job of kind of upping the the one thing from red dead redemption one um that i wish there was more of well they put more of it in this game and that's like the random occurrences like random mm-hmm. people on the side of the road or people trying to hold you up or you know just random shit that happens that just gives you like this this moment of of side mission or moment of of you know dalliance that kind of like yeah. take you takes you out of just traversing the world that like really it's just it's amazing that you can just be traversing from one town to the other and you look over in a field and there's these two guys that stole a uh, safe and they're trying to blow it open and mm-hmm. it's it's just amazing that you can engage with those guys. They can tell you to to run off, get the fuck out of here, uh, or you know you could kill them and and break the lock and steal the money yourself. Or you yeah. know I came across these guys that were uh, I didn't know what they were doing with dynamite to a safe, and they blew themselves up. And I just went <laughs> I just went in there and took whatever money was in the safe, and I was like that that's that's crazy that it's just like this this little side thing that uh, yeah. that's part of the world. It's nice, and it, it doesn't sound like it's repetitive. It doesn't sound like it it's, does, it, it doesn't know, feel like that. it gets stale. It's the same, you know, ten mini mission, yeah, over and over and over again. It sounds like they've actually put some work into creating each experience, yeah, uh, you know, as detailed as they can, and that even the sort of random encounters don't feel um, like they're just the same ten random encounters over and over again. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Definitely, fun, fun game. Um, and you said that Spider-Man Four. That's the other game. Like, I feel like there's there's a a short list of like God of War, Spider-Man Four, uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption. All these kind of like big big titles that came out this year that I wanted to play. And I I think that I'm Spider-Man is probably going to be a Christmas buy. Um, but like f- for you, like that was that. Uh, I know that you're a big big fan of the Spider-Man games. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I definitely loved Spider-Man Two when it came out. Um, that was I was obsessed with the game. I think a lot of people were, um, and it, it was because of the web swinging mechanics. I think uh, that that was the first game. Well, it definitely was the first game in the series that got it completely right. It wasn't just, you know, uh, Spider-Man sticks to something in the air. You actually had to look for buildings to, to to swing off of. And it just felt really organic and fun. And, you know, I, I kind of never really thought that uh, a new Spider-Man game would ever be able to top that. All of the entries uh, sort of since Spider-Man 2 came out in 2002 have been more or less lackluster, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, but but this one really does everything very well. Uh, the other thing that I uh, kind of was thinking when I first saw the, uh, I guess, the cinematic trailer for Spider-Man was that all of the fighting, all of the quick time stuff, it looked very uh, kind of almost like non-interactive or not interactive enough. Like you're just. Like you'd be watching a Spider-Man movie right. uh, in video game form and not really controlling all that much of the action. But when you get into the game and you're actually, uh, you know, fighting all the all the bad guys and doing the different uh, sort of web tricks and using the, the different web gadgets that Spider-Man can do, it's really surprising sort of how in control of everything that he does uh, that you are. I mean, there are a few quick time events, but they're built into the game in such a way that... You know, it, it doesn't feel like you're just pressing X to not die, essentially. For, for, from, my, from my observation, it seems like it's a, a close to those Rocksteady Batman games, like in, in terms of, of fighting. Is it like that? It is. I mean, it, it, it more or less completely apes the uh, sort of fighting mechanics that the Arkham series had in that, you know, you have like, uh, I guess a heavy attack, a light attack, and you can yeah. dodge. And then a a well timed dodge will result in uh, I guess a parry uh, or a stun on an enemy. It it definitely cribs that formula pretty heavily. But I would say that it actually feels more uh, more like it belongs to yeah. Spider Man because it's essentially what you get in Arkham is like a little spider sense yeah. icon that appears above Batman's head mm-hmm. before he's about to get smacked in the face. Uh, that feels more correct for Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. And yeah. also the the implementation of the gadgets. There's a lot of aerial combat. Spider-Man kind of jets around in a way that, that Batman kind of does in the Arkham series. But again, it, it feels more, more right for Spider-Man to do that. And just the different options that you have uh, when, when you're in combat. It's just – it's kind of uh, limitless the way you can handle a fight. You know, you can right. – you can beat each guy up individually. You can web swing around. You can use one of your special attacks. There's uh, one of the uh, one of the special attacks is called Spider Bro, and basically Spider Man like uh, throws up a drone that just wrecks shit. Just everybody it just kind of <laughs> kind of gets taken down, and so you can fight alongside your Spider Drone. Uh, there's so many different types of of web gadgets, and and yeah, it just all flows very naturally. Um, I mean, like in a way that. You know, it 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 worked well in the Arkham series, but I feel like Spider-Man refines it to uh, the nth degree. It just feels really good to play. Are there a lot of um, bad guys in this, or is it a singular story? I'm not I'm, um, I'm not clear on that. Yeah, I mean, there's like one main antagonist, uh, and then a bunch of other Spidey villains kind of show up towards the end of the game. I'm about ninety percent done with it. Gotcha. Um, because you know, Overwatch takes up most of my time, but. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, but I've recently gotten back into it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the one criticism that was uh, pretty heavily leveled at this game was sort of the lack of the the rogues gallery. They're there. They're in there. I mean, the game starts with the uh, fight with the kingpin, and then you encounter, I think, five other uh, famous Spidey villains. Uh, but the main focus is uh, is sort of a, a lesser known uh, Spider-Man uh, villain gotcha. uh, throughout most of the thing. And, and then again, towards the end, you get uh, you get the uh, the inclusion of uh, some of the more famous characters. But I feel like that's something that they're going to uh, broach more in, in the sequel. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, you know, with with the more interesting villains, you get kind of the more interesting boss fights. Mm-hmm. So with the lack of villains, I would say that the, the, the boss fights kind of, you know, are kind of humdrum. Um, but uh, but the, the actual, you know, just sort of, uh, I want to say like day-to-day gameplay or, or regular uh, gameplay mechanics are just really fun, you know. Awesome. The different the different crimes that you can stop if if you guys remember playing uh, like Spider Man two I was kind of talking about repetitive mini missions you know go fetch the balloon right go uh, go save the guy who's about to fall off of the building right it was the same like five or six things that you would do over and over and over again um, there's a lot more variation in the new Spider Man game Good. you get you get yeah, kind of similar things to do but it it all feels uh, it all feels pretty fresh. You know, it doesn't feel like you're just doing the same six things over and over again. That's exciting. I'm really excited to do it because to to play the game because that's as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, they have this moment to to like what we were talking about with the uh, with Breath of the Wild and and the Mario game and and what they did with the Batman games. Like the Batman games forever were you know a particular type of brawl uh, brawl uh, beat 'em up type games. Um, there were some highlights, but never something that people would say that's one of the best games ever. But once those Arkham games started coming out and you saw the the full world of Gotham realized and everything, I yeah. as soon as I saw that with this this Spider-Man game, I was like, they have an opportunity to one up those really good, you know, Sp- the Spider-Man 2 is a fantastic fucking game and especially Bruce Campbell uh being in it. Yeah. We we were so psyched about that back in the day. Definitely. But but you know, I I said, "Oh, they have this opportunity to kind of do what they did with uh, Arkham and and really uh uh update the gameplay and make it, you know, one of the funnest Spider-Man games." So I can't I really can't wait to play it. Yeah, it it definitely improves on everything that Spider-Man 2 did and and to a degree everything that Arkham did except maybe the boss fights. It improves on all of that stuff um, you know, just just to a really nice, clean, refined level and it's just kind of a blast to play. Yeah. And you can change suits. You can you can you can wear different Spidey suits and that's cool too. That's awesome. You can wear the Stark suit from uh uh from uh, oh, the, the, uh the Homecoming movie, yeah. Nice. And 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 Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Um, uh, side note: I don't know how deep we could get into it, but uh, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn was another game that I played that this, yeah. this year, and uh, I think uh, you were part of the um, uh, the the small group of people that said I I definitely need to check it out, and I'm so was happy I, I did. Was I part of the hype train on that? I, I think so. I think so. It was so, it's so good. I, I think that f- for the longest time. Um, I think games have have 
really struggled with making uh, bow and arrow uh, type weapons so fun um, and so controllable. And I think Horizon Zero Dawn not only has great storytelling, um, and if you want to dig into the the mythos and and just uh, go down the rabbit hole, th- it really offers it up to you. But you can also play it for just the the great voice acting, the great gameplay, uh, and, and the bow and arrow is is used in such a um, a uh, wide variety of ways. It's just a fun game. It's, it's seeing kind of the how how they apply um, sci-fi uh, uh, storytelling to kind of almost you know playing Native American tribal type uh, type gameplay. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the common theme uh, the last few games that we've talked about is just really good world building. Yeah, and Horizon Zero Dawn does that uh, to a to a great degree. Um, you know, just a, a really fascinating, interesting take on like a, a post-apocalyptic society. Like what would life be like? What is it like a, a few hundred years or yeah. is it even a thousand years? Right. Like after after everything kind of goes to crap, um, you know, so the technology is is really interestingly woven with uh, the, the sort of primitive society that humans live in. It's like um, it's like steampunk cool. almost. Great. Yeah, it's how, it's how I yeah, applied steampunk to to kind of tribal primitive uh, yeah. warfare. It's a weird kind of appropriation of Native American sort of themes and culture, but it doesn't feel problematic, yeah. I guess, um, because it. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it kind of pulls from sort of those aesthetics, but uh, in a way that doesn't feel, uh, I guess, disrespectful. It feels uh, kind of. Um, uh, organic to, I guess, what you would expect uh, a post-apocalyptic culture without technology to to just genuinely mm-hmm. uh, uh, drift to or create. Yep. You know, and um, and the and the gameplay is just like it, I I often have a problem at some point I I get bored with with Far Cry games where you have to do a lot of. Um, uh, hunting and skinning of animals or mm-hmm. uh, harvesting uh, you know some sort of uh, plants or whatever there was a part of of horizon zero dawn that that 's a big gameplay mechanic, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed kind of like there 's such a variety of machines and such a variety of ways that you can uh, 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 attack a particular predicament that I just, I I so enjoyed it. Yeah. It it also doesn't feel like you're being overloaded with quests. I mean, we we talk about like not um, being able to finish these games because there's just so much content. Yeah. You know, you think about like an Assassin's Creed or something like that. that just, or even a a Far Cry game, uh, really any Ubisoft game that just has so much for you to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, from side quests to main missions to leveling up your character, bounties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just felt like Horizon Zero Dawn's uh, open world map wasn't super duper cluttered yeah. with a bunch of the, the again, the, the same kinds of tasks. Like every single thing that you did, including um, the hunting missions that you did to craft new gear for your character, all felt really, yeah. um, you know, well baked into the uh, the overall gameplay experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Lance Reddick, the wires, yeah. Lance Reddick. You, how can you go wrong with that guy? Is... Unless you're playing Destiny Two. <laughs> In which case, it's like, who cares? Okay, thank you, Commander Zavala. I don't care. But but he was really good in uh, 
in in Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, definitely a good foil. It's it, again, it's another one like you just said about about engaging the character, engaging the player, and making them want to finish the game. I I only fell off of Horizon Zero Dawn, and I'm like ninety percent of the way through it because Red Dead Redemption Two came out, and it's it's yeah. a game I'm gonna go back to and finish. That's now. that's the danger is that you like fall into playing a different game. Yep, and then it's hard to go back to that old. I mean, that's exactly yep. what happened to me with uh, with Zelda. Um, Breath of the Wild. I started playing Overwatch, and then I got into Spider Man, and yep. I'm like, and I I feel like if I go back to playing Breath of the Wild, I will have no idea what I'm doing. And it's at it's at the point in the game where you have to sort of have like really honed uh, uh, skills as far as the mechanics of that particular yep. game go. Yep. Like you're at you're at that point where it's like, okay, you've been playing this for you know forty hours almost. Uh, you should know how to do everything and do it well. Um, here's the final boss fight. Exactly, you're right. How do you jump back into that? Right back into it. It's it's yeah. a singular thing, man. Like playing video games. I know people that uh, are not just in the industry or, or work in the industry. Um, I know people that juggle two or three different games that have their own tailored cus- uh, um, uh, controller schemes and I'm like how do you do it getting yeah. back into it like my plan to getting back into Horizon Zero Dawn is just to play get back into it and play an hour or two before I pick up where I left off like jumping into like a save from like six hours ago okay that's. I mean, do you have any like uh, side missions, or or do you just yeah. have like the main boss? Okay. No, no, I got I got some stuff to, to do so that I can kind of get back into the controller scheme, get kind okay. of my twitch response back, you know. Cool. So yeah, you'll be able to work up to it. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think that's also a good strategy for uh, for Breath of the Wild because while I, I do have to be Ganon, I probably could look into a few side missions again just to kind of get back into the swing of things. But yeah, it's 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 really easy, I think, to uh, to just not finish one of these games because yep. you you invest so much time in it. But you know, just coming back to it when there's so much other stuff that you could be playing or even just doing with your life other than playing video games. Yep, it's uh, it can be really difficult. I, I feel you on that one. Yep. And then the last one that I wanted to talk about before we wrap it up is is a way out. Um, oh yes. This year we were able to play a game that was expressly, you know, there's so many games that are made that are multiplayer only or you get ones that are single player only. Well, this is a game where you had to play with two people. Um, It kind of like, uh, what was it, Army of Two came out? Back in, you know, 2005, 2006. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's co-op games that have a, a sort of a multiplayer co-op element to it. But I mean, this one was that's it. That's that's what you're here for yep. is to play it with someone else. And you can't play it uh, single player at all. Um, you know, it, it, it definitely and, 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 and rightfully so, because the experience is built from the ground up to be shared by by two people. Yep. And I think it's it is an extremely uh, linear game, but I I think that experiencing it, which was so cinematic, and and experiencing it as kind of an unrolling uh, narrative with you was it was just fun. It was just fun to play our characters and kind of like take on our personalities in that game. Sure, I'm honored that you wanted to play it with me. <laughs> I, that made me feel special, and it, it's interesting that you mentioned the different characters because like you get like. When you start the game up, you get a small bio of each of the two 
protagonists and you just kind of flippantly go, okay, I'll be the guy with the cool hair. But then, you know, as you get to know them, like you really do inhabit, uh, sort of their, uh, their, um, personalities. Like, like my guy, it was Vincent and what was the other guy's name? I forget. Uh, Vincent and Theo. Vincent and Theo. (laughs) No, I think so. Vincent Vincent was your character, right? And he was the kind of the, the no nonsense, like, but upstanding, uh, individual. Yep. And then my guy was kind of the loose cannon. And of course, I mean, we kind of talked about earlier how I like to just be like the nicest guy in the world whenever I play video games. And it worked out for you most of the time. (laughs) Well, yeah, because we would do we would do what your character wanted to do. My character just always wanted to punch people in the face and like, you know, like shoot them and stuff. And Leo, Vincent and Leo. Leo, Leo. Yes, yes. How can how can we forget? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I remember uh, very distinctly like uh, the, the opening of the game is um uh, my character is already in prison and yours right. is like just arriving and i the first thing i did is i went up to the gate when you were walking in i started yelling fresh fish <laughs> it just makes you inhabit the role man <laughs> so it's a method method gameplay and i i feel like the thing is with uh with the game you know uh, we were you know, there's there's surprises, there's twists, and everything in that game, um, and you know you're playing you're playing your character to to a point that uh, you know you you really want to see what happened to them or what is going to happen to them, and sure. even even though you and I played the game really uh, in a way that was uh, nonviolent because we were both good people, um, you know, we 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 managed to play uh, a little bit with the the game system and see how. How we could uh, break it? Like, what were the extent uh, that we could go to to kind of like make the game say, "What the fuck? Why aren't you going this way that we're telling you to go?" Um, well, that's. I think that's sort of uh, our gamer instinct: is that when a game tells you to go left, you immediately go right and yeah. start poking at everything and seeing what everything can do. Um, and there, there are a few different like interactable objects and scenarios that you can kind of find in the game, and we would we would just go around and try to find as much as we could. To the to, to the point, like you said, where the game is like so. To continue, you uh, you do this or, or <laughs> right. go this way. It's that big arrow when you're playing uh, Double Dragon that's like blinking yep, and going yep, yep. walk walk right, you idiot. Yep. You know? <laughs> eventually, eventually you have to, but but before then, you find as much uh, inane stuff to do as you can because it's fun. And it was a real benefit that the game, you know, you can buy the game, uh, but the per- you can get your friend to join in free. The, the, the friend just needs to download it on their end and you can play it for free. Yeah, I'm I'm the I was the freeloading friend, by the way, Greg actually bought the game. But I think that was really cool on the part of the developer, again, yes. uh, with a kind of understanding that this is a game that needs to be experienced with not just anybody, um, but but someone that you can that, you know, that's like a friend of yours that you can play with on a consistent basis. I mean, right. it's not really a game that you can go through in one sitting. And I feel like it wouldn't work as like a, a matchmaking multiplayer type yeah, game to log on. And yeah. someone else just joins. Like yeah. you really need to go through this uh, story with someone else. Yeah. Uh, that, the the that, early reviews that, that I was 
that I was reading about it were, you know, it's great to play online. And because we both live in different parts of the country, we, we have to play it online. But uh-huh. I heard that, you know, the reviews I was reading were it is such a great couch co-op game to play because you're sure. in the same room with each other. You're playing next to each other and kind of like seeing how people, uh, how their minds are working as they're playing the game. And I think that that would be, uh, you know, it's a great experience to play with different people but i I think that you need to play with a a, certainly a friend that you know sure and and when do you get a split screen co-op game i mean i guess you get them sort of with the switch now but that used to be like how we would play multiplayer yep just dirty just looking at the other person's screen and figuring out what they're doing squinting a lot of squinting yeah so have you played this or would you consider playing with andrea I uh, I've talked to her about it, and uh, I don't think that we ever we, we just never did it because you know Horizon Zero Dawn and then other games came up. But it's sure. definitely a game that I want to play with her because it's it, it is not difficult to to pick up. I don't think the controls are not very like deep and complicated. It's it's all pretty simplistic. It's and, quick I mean, time it's not, events. It's not to the yeah. It's not to the level of like a walking simulator or just you know a completely cinematic experience. Uh, but you know, it's engaging. Yeah. It's fun. There's yeah. a little bit of gunplay. There's a little bit of driving. There's a lot of, uh, stealth type stuff early yeah. on when you're, when you're both in the prison element. I think they vary it up. I always not- say, I always say that that's the intimidation thing. Like, you know, you're, whether you're, um, someone that knows every single control scheme in, Horizon Zero Dawn or, or a first person shooter, if you're not like sh- like she is, it, it's it's an intimidation factor of getting into the game. You really have to sell it on is the um, story and like you're saying the world is it engaging enough? Yeah, yeah, and I think for that one it definitely is. Um, I would say that even if you don't have much experience with video games, and I can't believe that you've gotten this far on the podcast and, and don't have that much experience with video <laughs> games, but uh, if you do, this game is, is pretty accessible. Yeah. Um, are there any others that you want to pinpoint for the year of 2018, man? Sure. I mean, I'll give a couple honorable mentions here. Uh, we, cu- we talked earlier about the problem of 60-hour games. Yeah. Well, one game that I played this year really solved that, and that was uh, Hellblade. Yep. Send you a sacrifice. Did you play that one? No, I had heard about it. In fact, you were posting about it, and I was like, what the yeah. fuck is this game? And I had to track it's, down and find out about it. It's, uh, I guess, um, sort of a uh, not a AAA game. It's more of like a AA game, or they call it an indie AAA, where uh-huh. it's sort of a middle ground between the two. Um, but it's like an eight hour game. It's eight to 10 hours. It's I like completely it. linear. That's my uh-huh. sweet spot, is an eight to 10 hour game. It's it's perfect for that, and also it's cheap. It's uh, I think like sub twenty bucks at this point. Awesome. Um, but it's just this really awesome, super linear, uh, single player campaign experience. Like well told, really well acted. All of the graphics are amazing. Because again, they can kind of confine it to this uh, uh, this path that you're on. Really well acted. There's a lot of motion capture. Awesome. There's a really interesting uh, blend of live action as well as what? motion capture. Yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't you would never know it. Like the first time I played through, there's uh there's sort of the so the deal is that you play as this um uh I guess kind of Viking uh warrior chick um who is there to save the soul of of her lover. She goes basically to the the underworld uh to get this uh, her 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 uh, lover's soul back and she is plagued by these uh, voices in her head. 
Uh, and it's never really like quite explained whether the voices are um, actual supernatural elements. It's more implied that that she's kind of hearing things. Um, and one of the one of the characters follows her around as like a, sort of a spirit guide. And anytime you see him, he is live action, but he's blended into sort of the cutscenes in a way that again you would just you would never tell. We've come a long way uh, from uh, you know Phantasmagoria and. Uh, FMV yep. uh, type shoehorning of, of those kinds of elements in, into video games like this is done really, really well. And the um, the other big sort of sell of the game is it's, uh, again, depiction of um, these voices as, uh, I guess, mental uh, illness. Uh, right. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of really good um, audio um, acting, mixing, sampling. And if you play it, definitely play it with headphones uh, you know, the, the way that they that they uh, present the audio is super dynamic and, and really engaging. Awesome. So and it, yeah, it's it's like interesting, you know, like how um, in an Arkham game or uh, even in Spider-Man, you get like the little Spider-Man spider sense rings above the character's mm. head before they get hit. So, for example, in this game, you don't get that, but you'll get like an audio cue. One of the voices right. will whisper that there's somebody behind you and you need to move uh. Uh, combat. Nice. So. Yeah, there's there's really interesting inventive elements in that, uh, and uh, uh, it's a bit of a walking simulator. But there's also combat elements that kind of harken back to Dark Souls or, um, you know, Bloodborne type nice. gameplay. You know, swing, nice. dodge, parry, roll, that sort of thing. Nice. Uh, and overall, just really amazing presentation. So I would I would definitely check that one out. I got a question for you. Uh, yeah. Short games. What is the What's the ratio of affordability? What do you consider a, a good price point for a game that's 8, 10, 12 hours? Well, see, that's that's the thing is that I I honestly I, – I think if you'd asked me this question, you know, when open world games were starting to become a thing, I would have said, OK, yeah, if it's open world, then I'll pay 60 bucks for it. But at this point, there are so many shallow open world games that come out at that price point. And it, you know, you play them, and it just doesn't feel like you're getting your money's worth, mm-hmm. um, just because it's there's such a, a dearth of content. Like there's there's this gigantic open world and nothing to do. Right. Again, uh, I'm looking at you, uh, Destiny Two, um, <laughs> and that doesn't feel like a sixty plus dollar game to me, uh, because again, you need to buy that. You need to buy the the three DLCs at twenty bucks a pop yep. in order to make your character viable. Uh, to play with with other characters, and that that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel fair. Um, whereas a game like uh, Hellblade, I feel like is is priced perfectly. I don't necessarily think that it's worth sixty dollars, but it's definitely worth thirty dollars, yeah. and it's definitely worth you know whatever it is on sale now, just because you're getting that experience that we talked about, and you're getting like actual quality and value and and gameplay and, and good inventive presentation out of um out of your game um i'm something like spider-man i feel is worth 60 bucks Mm -hmm. you know i'm sure red dead i'm sure you would feel the same way that it's worth 60 bucks yeah the question came about because um i've had uh both the uh, uncharted lost legacy and the dishonored um uh like what are those considered they're not dlcs huh a remastered? Designer? No, they're uh, they're kind of the the shorter extra DLC that came out, and oh, yeah. they're they're both like eight, 
10, 12 hour games and yeah. they've been for the longest time around $20 and I've been kind of hemming and hawing at $20. I don't know why, but right. you know, I just saw that Uncharted went down to uh, 10 bucks for mm-hmm. um, the Uncharted Lost Legacy went down to 10 bucks for uh, Black Friday and so I snatched it up. But I, I always go back and forth like to me, Red Dead Redemption uh, makes up for a $60 price point. But like when it yeah. gets to a 10 hour game and if it's like DLC to a game that I really like dishonored or, or, uh, uncharted or whatever, I, I don't know why I have such trouble if it's over 20 bucks. I feel the same way. I mean, it's, I, it all depends on how much fun you're having with the game and whether you, you want that to that fun to, to be prolonged. Um, like, you know, horizon zero dawn released yeah. a DLC that was, I think like 15 bucks or something. Yep to extend the gameplay. And, and if you're having a good time with it, it's totally worth it. I right. remember paying that for, uh, all of the fallout three DLC mm-hmm. each time a new one came out. I was like, yes, I want, you know, another couple hours of this experience. Yeah. Um, you know, is it worth it to you basically? Yeah. You got to remember that like, you know, games have, as far as I can remember, have always cost like 60 bucks, you know, yep. old Nintendo games used to cost $60 when they would come out. Yep. You know, some, some poor bastard out there plays, Paid sixty dollars for Bubsy three D. When when the when the N sixty four games came out, they were like seventy five to eighty bucks. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not saying that it's right necessarily, but that's always been kind of the going rate right. for for a, a brand new video game. That's why I, for the most part, am playing video games that have uh, been out for a couple years at yeah, this same, point. Same. You know, I I think at what am I like 34 years old? I'm finally getting to the point where if I see a a brand new video game, I can go, yes, I I think I will go and purchase that Mm -hmm. today. Um, that's, that's only now kids. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fair price for a brand new video game. If it's a quality, uh, video game, like the ones that, that we've been talking about. And I think that that's probably, why I was so disappointed with Destiny 2. It just didn't feel like it was yeah. worth even the, the, the entry rate to, yep. to get into. Yep. I think that there's a, a contract that you have with the players now, and it's not so much um, to me, and it's been this way most of my life, um, the delineation between quantity versus quality. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't want just a a open world sandbox uh 100% quantity sometimes you get that feeling with the assassins creed games with the far cry games that they're just yeah. th- overloading the the little bits of business and and w- bitch work that you have in the game and they make that quote unquote equal quality but that's not the case a quality game at eight to ten hours which doesn't have to be linear but it has a good story it has great gameplay that's those are the ones i want to play and i will pay 60 bucks for a 10 hour or 12 hour game that's like that yeah i mean you don't want it to feel like a a chore or a grind and i think that's what some of these like uh, big Ubisoft games can feel. I mean, like like we kind of had, I guess, a similar experience with um, the Division when we both right. uh, picked it up. You know, right. it just it was fun because you and I could play, uh, but it just felt like busy work. Yeah, you know, like we only have a few hours. You know, like an hour or two in your case, or seven or eight in mine to play a video game every day. Uh, and you know, you want to you want to use that time wisely. Yep. Yep. I don't have seven hours to play video games. That was that was a bit of an overstatement. <laughs> 
<laughs> what was uh, anything else on your list? The one thing that I promised I would mention uh, is Overcooked. Have you played Overcooked? I know of Overcooked. No, I have not played okay. it. Okay. Well, this is a game that uh, I'm playing with my wife or was <laughs> playing with my wife. Uh, and if you haven't heard of it, it's it's an indie title where, and I have it for Switch, uh, you play as a chef or two chefs. Um, and you're just, you're working in a kitchen and you're making stuff uh, like hamburgers and soups and pizzas and all that good stuff. The problem is that there's a time limit. Um, the kitchens are laid out horribly. They're laid out in such a way that it just makes your life a living hell. Uh, food can burn if you leave it on the stove too long. Uh, once you serve the food, you have to do dishes. You have to serve everything within a time limit or else people get upset. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Uh, and again, you're playing it with um, presumably a friend or a loved one, or in my case, a significant other uh, whom I love dearly. Uh, and uh, yeah, there it can lead to some bitterness. Um, we have had officially... I would say two <laughs> two actual fights over this game, just because again a pizza wasn't delivered on time, or I was in someone's way when they were trying to chop vegetables. You know, it's really you take it dumps. serious. <sighs> you do, um, and it's funny because like uh, I've talked about our, our mutual friend Diego. He plays it with his girlfriend, and I, I talked to I talked to him about it, and he's like, "Yeah, we just you know we rationally like." You know, we'll talk about the the issues that we're having during the game and <laughs> figure out a way to strategize around it. And then we'll just attack the problem head on. And I'm like, oh, well, me and Rachel just kind of argue about it. <laughs> um, and we beat the game. We actually beat it. But it was it was quite the the, the tribulation. It, it put um, your it put your your relationship and your marriage to the it, test. It put our marriage at risk. Um, <laughs> but we made it through. And now we're looking at the sequel, Overcooked the- 2. Um is is out and we'll, that's we'll that's another check. one that I've been um, considering uh, getting into with with Andrea. I, I there's the Switch is again such a good gateway because it has these great indie titles on it and it has just like really fun party games. I feel like yeah yeah and that Mario Party. If you get overcooked, let me know because then we can all play it online and yes. we can argue with each other. Yes, and that'll be good. And and really put all of our friendships to the test. Exactly. If <laughs> if your friendship, like I discovered, if your friendship and or marriage can survive overcooked, then nothing can 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 tear it asunder. I love it. Um, okay, dude. Let's because we're getting short on time. Let's uh, bypass. Uh, we were going to do kind of our our recommendation of of one of our favorite things of 2018. Sure. Um, and kind of just jump into. Play one of the video games that we talked about. Definitely do it. Definitely. Um, I I would say it's always such a, a fun time talking to you, Dan. You're one of my best friends, obviously. So every time coming you coming uh, on the show, I, I have so much fun. And so uh, I knew that we were going to have no uh, uh, drought when it came to conversation. That's why I wanted to bring you on. Right on. Um, so yeah, I think that it's been kind of very noticeable that the show has been kind of spotty as far as a, a, a release schedule. And I, that's kind of come to the point of like, I know that I mentioned it on the last episode of Gobble to Geeks that I was on, uh, with Paul and AJ, um, that really, I feel like it, it, it's time to, to kind of step back from the show. Mm-hmm. It's not that I, uh, want to stop the show. It's not necessarily that I don't want to uh do an episode in the future i even talked to you a little bit about maybe a a, a reformat or a retool of some sort sure Sure. 
I just feel like uh, at this point I have other things that I'm, I'm focused on. I, I started talking to you about uh, kind of focused on, on screenwriting and, and doing a screenplay uh, and kind of finding another creative outlet. And, and the, the podcast is just not the priority in my mind anymore the way that it was. Mm-hmm. So I think that really what we're going to be doing is kind of an extended hiatus. I don't know if this is the last episode, but it might be. I don't I'm really not sure. Well, I'm telling you that it won't be because we still need to talk about Neil Breen. <laughs> That's right. We need at least one more episode for Neil Breen. Well, the, the you, were talking, you were talking maybe about doing like uh, focusing on the little Debbie segments a little yes. bit more, right? Yeah, There's we've been doing this. These shorter, these shorter debatable uh, episodes have been called Little Debbies, and I think that that would, those were always uh, fun and clean, uh, cut and dry, quick to put out type episodes, and those are the ones that you know aren't time consuming on the back end post production wise either. So those are really easy to do. Sure, I mean it's all about what you feel like doing creatively what yeah. what it what is in your heart to produce yep you know and it sounds like you know you want to take a little little break it's not you know the 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 death of the podcast is you know you're not going away forever but you know you want the the mood to strike you um in order to yes. uh to to produce more episodes you don't want to feel like it's just something that you have to do yeah it's quality over quantity always i've always talked about that you know my goal when i started this show back in 2012 really uh you know through the friendship uh with with fernando um kind of coming up with our own shows uh the 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 goal was 100 episodes and now we're in the 130s and i feel like oh i i met my goal for this my creative goal so now everything is just the 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 cherry on top everything is you know cream on top so sure. yeah I, I and and the reevaluating of of what i want to do is that i've always liked you know film and i've always liked media and everything but you know when it when it comes down to writing it's always been something that i really really cherished and i always wanted to really pour myself into writing and screenwriting so that's something that i'm kind of doing i feel like i did in 2012 starting the podcast i feel that way with screenwriting now that i'm you know mm-hmm. uh starting a, a a new journey and something i want to see through to the end and I don't have the skinny on this new uh, screenplay that you're working on, but you're feeling – I mean how how deep into it are you? Are you still in the outlining phase or I'm have st- you actually been writing yeah. pages? I'm still in the outlining phase, but I, for the first time in my whole life, you know, uh, writing something, I feel like it, it's formulating into something that I'm, I'm really proud of and something that uh, story-wise I feel like really has legs. Yeah. So, and, then, and yeah. so that's absolutely what you should be focusing on, like where your where your creative heart is, where your muse is, is speaking to you from. Yep. You know, I think I think it's a, a great idea to kind of step back just a little bit from this and focus on the thing that's actually got you excited yep. uh, to, to, to work on. Yep. So that's that's really where we're at with 
with debatable. I think that uh, it's been such a, a pleasure putting it together, and there will be um, uh, episodes in the future. I just don't know in what format or, or what way. I think that we have to absolutely do a Neil Breen because we have to uh, uh, bo- bookend it with our um, our Vince Bowman episode that's really Gosh, was yeah. one of the that's, first episodes of debatable yeah and uh yeah and clearly the best episode of debatable that, that uh, <laughs> there ever was so you know uh, people don't disagree not, not a lot yeah look uh, listen david Tennant before he left the role of the 10th doctor on doctor who did four movies uh you know he, he didn't want to leave the show he just wanted to take a little break and, yep. and intersperse his his creative output so he, he made Four amazing Doctor Who televised movies, and I think that's that's where you are. Right there you now. go. You're you're, just, you're taking a small small step back, focusing on other things that that interest you a little bit more. And in the meantime, you'll you'll check back in and uh, and 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 blow everybody's minds with some uh, some creative output here and there. Yep, that's that's it's where like, I'm at. It's like when you when you told me originally, you know, technically spaced. Is 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 still on the air? I mean, it's not not on the air, but it's still it's, it's on hiatus. Yep, it's not over. It could come it, back at any time. It yep, could come back and make more episodes tomorrow. You don't know. Yep, you know that's where we're at, man. That I, I I and I appreciate you being on on this episode to kind of talk about it and kind of do the the state of the podcast with me. Yeah. Happy, happy to do so. Uh, Dan, is there anywhere that people can find you online? There are actually a couple places uh, that I can be found. Um, if you search DM Tyag on the Twitters or on Instagram, you can find my inane ramblings there and some short videos of my escapades. Uh, all very clean, all very PG. Um, <laughs> and then the other spot is uh, uh, Action A Go Go. I've been actually writing yes. uh, articles, reviews retrospectives things like that for action a go-go um so yeah so you can find my contributions there super exciting i I love the stuff that you're putting out with them and it it was such a good opportunity i'm so glad that you you got uh got connected with them and got uh started started doing stuff i I feel i feel like that's what you've been searching for for a long time is finding like having a venue where you can put your you know your observations and kind of your, your reviews it's 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 almost like you can use it as a blog space you know yeah it's true i mean um i've been for years like toying with the idea of creating like youtube video essays reviews that sort of thing yep. but it's 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 strange for me because i i make videos for a living like at work so i get home and i'm like more video you know do i do i really want to spend my time doing that or do yep. i want to play video games so I play yep. video games uh, but with writing it's a different medium. It's it's a different way of, of expressing criticism and and you know, sort of a break from the, my normal day to day. So mm-hmm. I've, I've really been enjoying that, and I appreciate uh, you hooking me up with those guys. Oh, always, and, uh, man. You know, give me the opportunity. Always, Derek and Troy. Uh, I think Troy is no longer um, doing the managing editing. Is it Angela? Is that her name? And, yeah, Angela Knight. Yep. Uh, Angela and and, uh, and Derek, as always, have been so uh, uh, generous. Derek yeah. has been so generous to uh, putting out debatable and and allowing me to do writing there. So just seeing it kind of continue with you is, is making me happy. Um, 
But and thank- it reminds me that I, I have a, a, a mermaid horror movie review that is way, way, way overdue. <laughs> need to work on that. You gotta get on it. Uh, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it, man. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do this again. I promise. Sounds good. Neil Breen in the house, 2019. <laughs> have a good one, man. I appreciate it. All right, thanks. Okay. Too.